Hello podcast listeners, this is just a quick note to tell you that we recorded this live and loose at our October Or Shucks event. So if you're listening to this on the 23rd or 24th of October, you're in for a treat because this event will be live, possibly as you listen to this podcast. We're streaming across the weekend from 4pm to 2am BST, or if you're over in the States, from 11am EDT to 6pm EDT. It's a hell of a lot of programming, and we've got a bunch of great events like Board Game's two best smiths, Rodney and Quentin, chatting about the last 10 years of games. We've got a mysterious panel entitled Rude Words with Matt Lees. We've got a draft of the BGG Top 100 with Board Game Barrage, and we have Steamy Sunday Evening, featuring a bit of hit dating simulator game Dream Crush with Patrick Rothfuss. You can see all of this schedule on Orshucks Twitter or over at www.orshucks.show, but you can also find a huge amount of other stuff on that site as well. You can find six videos on our YouTube channel that are packed with bite-sized previews of a huge number of upcoming games. You can find people to play games with over on the Orshucks Discord with free Tabletopia membership for the whole weekend if you use the code SHUCKS2020. Again, that's all caps, no spaces, SHUCKS2021 again. And they're not just going to be any old people you'll play games with. No, no, no. We've got designers and publishers packed like sardines into digital booths for you to go and say hi to and play some of their biggest new releases. And lastly, we've got merchandise available for purchase on the site that's been designed by Matt Lees himself. And lastly, lastly, you can find a wealth of information about our upcoming expansion for the fantastic party game Monstrosity. If you're curious about any of this, head over to www.orshucks.show where you can find all that information and other stuff that I have doubtless missed. That's all from me. Uh, enjoy this podcast, check out Or Shucks if you're listening on the weekend of it, and apologies for the slightly deranged energy that the following recording possesses. Uh, see you later! Hello, everybody! Body and welcome to the very 159th podcast from Shut Up and Sit Down, brought to you absolutely live from our very own online convention. It's all shucks. It's happening this weekend from the 22nd to the 24th of October 2021. If you're listening today after that, you missed it. What? What's wrong with you? But... <laughs> If you're here, you're here, and that's wonderful. And I am here today to talk to you about some board games. And I'm going to do it with two lovely people. I'm going to do it with Mr. Quinton Smith. Hello, Ava Foxfort. And I'm going to do it with Tom Brewster. Hello, Ava Foxfort. I'm here too. And thanks for reminding me that I was supposed to do my name by both of you doing my name. <laughs> That's okay, Ava Foxfort. Uh, yes. This is a podcast about board games. If you're listening for the first time, you chose a real good episode to listen to because we've been building up to this. We haven't recorded a podcast for at least two weeks. And not only that, we've been doing an advent calendar. Uh, Ava, do you want to... I mean... Ooh. Wait, no, we've got to sing the song, haven't we? Um, we wish you a merry or shock We wish you a merry or We wish you a merry or And a happy or Christmas in the year, I guess. You know, 
this might be a surprise to the Twitch audience, but we didn't rehearse that at all. And I think it went great. I, and now also that's a lovely thing to have given Tom because Tom now in the edit has to decide whether to leave that in. Oh, it's staying in. It's staying in. And I'm going to try and nudge them so that we're perfectly in sync. It's going to be like a, a gorgeous song from the heavens. That's what okay. that's going to be. Uh, that's it's going to take do. a lot of editing, Tom. You're going to be up very late. <laughs> Uh, so on this podcast, we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of board games, uh, our sort of tentpole in the middle of the podcast. We're going to be talking about Unfathomable, an enormous and exciting release from Fantasy Flight Games, which is a, uh, a reimagining of one of the most famous uh, designer board games of all time, the Battlestar Galactica board game. So that's come back. We're going to be talking about that. And we're also going to be talking about uh, no less than six different games which uh, Tom and I previewed as part of All Shucks. These are games that Tom and I haven't played, but we're nonetheless really excited to talk about because we had a little look at the rules and Ava's going to be asking <laughs> us about what our, our dark horse of uh, the preview videos are, what our most hyped game of the preview videos is, and the strangest, the two strangest so. games yeah. Tom yes. and I have covered. But to start with, let's retroactively explain why on earth we sang that horrible song. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ava, would you like to explain what we've been getting up to? So, right. So, this is the thing, and I think this is incredibly bizarre, but it's happened. Cosmos Games produced a series of games called Exit, which is escape room games that come in a little box, and there's loads of little things in there. They have now created, <clears throat> I'm going to get this accurate, Exit, colon, the game, hyphen, advent calendar, colon, the mystery of the ice cave. Whew. Beautiful. Which is literally an advent calendar full of puzzles. No chocolate, which my housemate was very upset about. Um, <laughs> but just a puzzle behind each door that leads you on a little journey and tells you a little story. And it is essentially 24 escape rooms. 24 tiny little escape tiny rooms. Escape and rooms. we can't talk about any of them yeah. because it's just a big box of spoilers. So this mm. is going to be a very vague discussion of the exit advent calendar, the mystery of the ice caves, the board game, the game. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm going to jump in here and do my little bit for uh, for diversity by saying, hey, if you're not Christian, advent calendars, what are they? They're Ooh. weird and deeply, <laughs> and uh, like one of the many ways in which Christianity becomes like uh, weirdly capitalistic. An advent calendar is a box of 24 little cardboard windows one of which you're open, supposed to open every day of December in the lead up to Christmas um, but instead now it's a puzzle how's that how does that work well um, you're going to open <laughs> door number well uh, door number one on the calendar which is printed on the calendar and that's kind of your entry into the world of exit colon hyphen the escape from hyphen cave or whatever it was called <laughs> don't have it in front of me try not to call it exit escape from the colon uh, I think that's yes, one. That's, that's not what it's called. Um, and by solving that day's puzzle behind the window, you're going to be told what window to open next. And there's a bunch of windows. There's so many windows and there's so there's many exactly puzzles. exactly 24. And can, can we talk about, because I don't want to spoil anything, but can we talk about roughly what is behind the window in terms of its sort of form? Sure, I think so. It's like you open a little window and this thing isn't a little, you know, if you're used to your advent calendars, they're very thin little slivers of cardboard and tinfoil. This one's deep and you open up that box and you peek inside and there's a little tiny room inside that maybe has a card and a puzzle to solve. And then obviously the components get a bit stranger and weirder as you go on. It's, but 
I still think even deep into the advent calendar, one of the main joys was opening those doors and seeing what little tiny room I was being presented with next and feasting my eyes on the slightly strange illustrations contained therein. Yeah, I wanted to say that uh, I really like the the story wrapper for um oh, oh let's get this right Escape the Game Advent Calendar the Mystery of the Ice Cave um <laughs> and I like so the plot of it is um that you have been separated from your friends by you were going night skiing uh, or something or and an avalanche trapped you and you ended up in an ice cave that's the start and that's the the you open the first window and you're in an ice cave what i really liked about that though is it describes you know because every day you have a bit of story to you have a page of story to read as well and um th- this is the first game i've played where in the first page of story it informed me that i was crying uh, <laughs> which was a detail that really stuck in my head and and lent kind of a sense of I mean it can't sustain that sense of drama and urgency through the entire advent calendar but to begin with I was genuinely fascinated as to where that story was going I thought you were going to say you were genuinely weeping you like touch your own <laughs> face and it's wet with the tears You're like, I am how did they do that how did they make me cry just by saying I was crying Inca and Marcus Brand <laughs> they're incredibly imaginative people yes have we even mentioned that it's designed by Inca and Marcus Brand no that uh, was why are... I was doing it <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> terrific yeah so these uh, these are the two designers who are behind uh, or are certainly involved with most of the games in the exit series and uh, so long as we're talking about this i just want to the reason that i sort of launched us into doing this stupid advent project before or shucks is i'm just a huge fan of the exit series and now that you two have played this advent calendar you'll probably see why because the thing that Ooh, distinguishes Exit from Unlock, which is, you know, the other big uh, Escape Room series, is that whereas Unlock comes with an app, in Exit, it's very physical. You're going to be doing things with paper, scissors, you're going to be cutting stuff up, you're going to be making stuff. And so, and I mean, we're not going to spoil this, but it was really, really cool how the Advent Calendar, you do just about almost anything you could imagine about it or with it during the uh, uh, during the process of solving it. It has a lot of fun with the fact that it knows that you have this giant physical object in front of you and it's it's going to push you in all the different ways that it can kind of think of. Within reason, I'll say, there's nothing that's absolutely like, there's nothing that made my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> well, that is one of the problems that I think we've already talked about, which is that because this calendar does tell you that like you can destroy things... Yeah, like, so the rules at the beginning do add a little note saying sometimes you're going to need to cut things up. So you'll need some scissors and you'll need a pen and you need a pencil because you might have to do odd things. And that creates some very odd dynamics at times because there was definitely at least once where I very nearly just destroyed a puzzle (laughs) by trying to like follow the wrong path um, and not quite twigging what I was supposed to do. I think, Tom, you did destroy a puzzle. Is that accurate? (laughs) I feel like I'll get into this a bit more later because I think that my my gut feeling is that you two enjoyed this whole experience a bit more than I did. And I think it might be, you know, I, I'm not great at puzzles. And sometimes I knew what I needed to do. And then I would try and execute that. And I, in the process, would just demolish a puzzle entirely and then look up the solution and be like, well, yeah, of course, if I was good at doing the thing it asked me to do, (laughs) then I would have accomplished this with flying colours. Like the solution, I'd worked out the solution to the puzzle, but then the game required me to do something arty crafty that I wasn't quite prepared for um, in, in any way. And I ended up with a lot of broken puzzles by my terrible hands i'm worried that you alone are going to make this product sound 
like it's significantly less good than it is just through you you just because you're you're an idiot and that's fine <laughs> it's fine that you're an idiot but i don't th- like okay so to clarify we have to move on because we're doing this live we have to move on to unfathomable in about five eight ten minutes um so we kind of have to like i think this is a great game so let, let's let's if we're not spoiling it and we can only talk vaguely about it let's talk about whether we thought it was good because i thought i mean i'm a big fan of the exit series but i had a really terrific time solving this i think it's like such a such an unusual experience and i found a shocking amount of delight in it i was very cynical about this whole thing but then i was like okay if we want to talk about it in time for people who are able to get it for advent at the time it's which it's supposed to be used we've got to (laughs) And this is where that ridiculous song came from. We've got to do it for something. So it has to be building up to something because otherwise it's not a thing <laughs> with Christmas at the end, which doesn't make sense. Which means that like we've been spending our September like diving into this ice cave, our October. <laughs> <laughs> and, getting and festive. Getting really festive and being like, oh, here's x christmasy thing here's y christmasy thing and just like little illusions to christmas entirely the wrong time but then like the fact that the fact that you've got something that is broken up into those different segments means you get all of the treats of like a serialized thing of like there's a bit of anticipation there's squeezing squeezing some time around it to make sure you've got it and and this is what i think is really interesting about it is that like I think it made me better at solving puzzles, or at least solving oh, puzzles mm, made mm. by Inker and Marcus Brand. I'm worried that like, actually what it does <laughs> is it, it's like an elaborate Doctor Who brain takeover thing where now everyone who gets this calendar will start thinking like Inker and Marcus Brand. Because, <laughs> because I, I, and we, I think we've talked about this before, like there were times when it got easier. And like we got stuck on things and then things started to go like, oh, this is easy. And I don't know whether it got easier or I got, I wouldn't say cleverer, but I would say <laughs> more persistent and more imaginative about how I approach things. Sometimes too imaginative, <laughs> which did cause problems. Uh, so, but that's, Tom, I want to know, because I'm more along the lines of Ava. I, th- I had a terrific time with it. I, f- I found myself continually delighted. I'd really look forward to doing it. But you what what's your take what do you think do you think people should buy it do you think people shouldn't buy it tom i think are are you extinguishing all the joy in this christmas no no i think it i think it tells people more about me and my ability to stick with things than it should do about themselves i i think you'll know if you like this this object you will know if this is for you if you know that you're getting 24 little tricksy riddles that are going to get more and more complex well not sorry not more and more complex more and more creative i guess as the as the Mm -hmm. thing goes on and they're going to make you do fun things with that box this is absolutely for you and i think this is like almost certainly like get this for your advent it's going to be great however i i'm i'm a too i'm stupid and impatient is the problem Mm. with with uh (laughs) with with me generally as both a puzzle solver and uh an employee I, (laughs) i didn't i didn't hate it but it has been removed from my premises immediately after completion. <laughs> like, as soon as I was done with it, it was gone. Because a game, a game that I put on my to-do list every day is not one that I that I feel like I get. Like I get to the end of the day and I'll be getting ready for bed and I'll be like, oh, fuck, oh, <laughs> I've got to do the blimmin' escape room again. And then I'd sit there and I'd do a puzzle and I'd mess it up and I'd break the components and be like, oh, God. And it was not, I just, I, I, I eat 
maybe look, maybe I should have been log maybe I should have been invoicing. Maybe I should have been logging my hours <laughs> for, for for the exit advent calendar. So, so but some of the puzzles I don't want to be really negative because I think some of the puzzles were really joyous and there were a fair few where there was these lovely aha moments and these lovely little surprises hidden in there that were just like really, really nice. And and I've said it earlier, but like it's the box is so interesting from this design standpoint because it's this playground of like, what can we do with this this cardboard, big lump of cardboard? Um, but I'm just I'm just a bit too thick. I'm just a bit too dense for the puzzles. I looked up so many solutions because I was sat there like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, I think that it's hard and I think it's um I think that it's it's a weird object because for a start like I was thinking about this quite a lot actually is the fact that like I both wish I kind of wish that my job was reviewing puzzles because I think that's possibly like the weirdest thing you could do because puzzles are so such a strange thing and I really like that this dove me into thinking about what a puzzle is like I I you you know I've had this conversation with you like I think one of the puzzles is wrong. I am aware <laughs> that I am wrong. I'm aware that I'm wrong, but I also believe that the puzzle is wrong and I was right. And that's a weird experience. And kind of what I want to take from some of what Tom was saying is that like there is definitely people for who this isn't going to be right. Right? Like it would it surprised me in yeah. that it involved like fiddly craft. So if your manual dexterity is not great, there's things you're not going to be able to do um there's you do need to be able to squeeze somewhere between like 30 seconds and 45 minutes into every day for 24 <laughs> days without knowing whether it's going to take you 30 seconds or 45 minutes um i mean you can i don't think any of them actually took me 45 minutes but i wouldn't have been surprised if they could have um and there is like a complete hints and solution system that should get you through it. So you'll only oh, go yeah. that long if you are incredibly stubborn. I'll tell you what, though, going into this advent calendar, I had a lot of respect for Inker and Marcus Brand. And I've actually made a lot of noise on Shut Up and Sit Down about them being really, really good puzzle designers. And playing this has not changed my opinion at all. And I think um, going through, it really, like you say, Ava, it let me spend a lot of time thinking about puzzle design, um, did this, because I like the exit games a lot, but you know, you play them for an hour or two hours and you're done. You spend, within the advent calendar, you must, there's like easily six, seven, eight hours total of, of, of hot puzzling to do. <laughs> and the thing that continually impressed me is there's some subtle stuff about puzzle design that's really important. Like, when something okay this is a this is a box where every room has like art on the inside the box cover has art you know it's got this flippy back and that has art but you can always tell when something's a clue versus an art asset like in a box that's covered in illustrations you can always look at something and be like that's a little bit bigger it's a little bit out of place which means that is part of the solution to a puzzle out of 24 days of puzzling not once did i look at something going that's a clue and it wasn't <laughs> which is like just a straight up bad thing to happen in puzzles i think i just felt really sort of i don't know safe in the hands of Inker and marcus <laughs> brand and i always have and that's partially where you mentioned the solutions booklet it's so good every puzzle in the game has a three-step solution booklet where you curl up the page a little bit and it gives you a broad hint curl it up a bit more it gives you a big hint and you curl it up once more and you get the solution like and also it's just so there's so much consistent variety in that box like you know we can all disagree about what's a good puzzle or not and whether we enjoy them or not but i think in terms of you know, variety and, you know, I don't know. I keep coming back to the word safety, which is weird. It's weird to be describing a, a box of puzzles with the word <laughs> safe, but that's how I feel. 
Yeah. There were, I, I will say that there, there were a couple, I think generally... There, there, there are some that ask you to do some, some, some heinous acts, some heinous acts of some of those components. They ask you to really, to really go wild with it. But th- I think there were a few early on that did shake that feeling of like safety because I did one, and I, I, I want to be able to. I'll talk about this after. Maybe we'll do a ra- round of our, a spoiler cast after Christmas where we just go, oh, number thirty, number, number twenty-one <laughs> show, or, or just get really That's... angry. But, but there was one which I did in a way that just completely, I was like, well, I'm never going to, I'm never going to take a risk ever again. I've, I, <laughs> and Marcus Brand have done me. I uh, think this. this, I think you hit the nail on the head with the impatience, honestly. Obviously we're joking <laughs> about you being dumb, but it's like, I, the, the times I enjoyed the advent calendar the most when I sat down and went, I'm not going to look at any hints. I'm going to take as long as it takes to solve okay. this. And that was when I enjoyed myself. The idea of going into it being like, I have to solve this because I've got something else to do. Horrible. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah, 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 oh yeah, my yeah, goodness. Yeah. Don't get it for that. Uh, but we really should move on because we have limited Absolutely. time and I think people are going to be really excited to hear about Unfathomable. Uh, so this is a big old box uh, from Fantasy Flight Games. It's designed by Tony Fanchi, who I believe is updating a, a Corey Kaneska design. And this is one of the original hidden traitor games. There was Shadows Over Camelot, which in which um, uh, it invented this idea of it's a cooperative game, but maybe one person is working against everybody else. Um, and Unfathomable, or which is a remake of the original Battlestar Galactica game, uh, sort of took that to another more thematic level. So where in the original Battlestar Galactica, um, players were sort of crew members running around a ship that was very, very heavily branded with the TV show. Um, and one of you might be a Cylon. Oh no. So as you're running around trying to shoot ships out of deep space and argue about who should be the captain of the ship um, and solve en- an endless stream of crises, crises Unbeknownst to the players, there might be one or none or two Cylons who are like operating within the cooperative puzzle, but trying to mess things up. And at some point, if the Cylons either get rumbled or decide that it's um, uh, a good tactical idea to do so, they can reveal who they are. They can go, aha, they can throw off their metaphorical cape and go, I was secretly trying to screw everything up the whole time. And then the whole table of players go, oh, I kind of had a suspicion that you were trying to do that. Oh, I'm annoyed. Um, but now Unfathomable takes um, this original Battlestar Galactic game. And the bad news is it puts it into the HP Lovecraft universe that we're also bored by. The good news is I actually do quite like it in spite of that. So Unfathomable says, rather than being on the Battlestar Galactica, you are now on a ship called the Atlantica. Uh, sailing from Europe to somewhere in the northeast of America. And you're all kind of Lovecraftian characters. There's a stowaway. Tom, you played the f- first, no, the Master at Arms. Yeah. Who was yeah, just the Master really dangerous. Who had a gun. And I played a man who had a book. Uh, because <laughs> the plot of this game is that, um, unbeknownst to the passengers, this steamship in 1910s sailing to America, and uh, it, there was a real bad, powerful, chthonic spell book on board. And the person who was supposed to be taking care of that book is found dead and murdered. Turns out she was trying to create a protection spell as you sail over the unspeakable, hidden, sunken city of... I can't remember the actual Lovecraft name. I'm going to call them sea monsters. Basically, there's a city of sea monsters below you. They all want to capsize the ship and perhaps get their hands on the boat. I played the uh, the sort of the apprentice of the woman who kept the book and who died. So you start the game with a big, powerful, magical book. And the object of the game is not to escape Cylons and get to a planet where Battlestar Galactica can survive. You're trying to get to America without being destroyed or running out of fuel or food or people or morale. Uh, and that's going to be tricky because a couple of people on board aren't Cylons. They are this time... 
uh like you could hybrids. be a cult hybrids yes you could be a human sea creature hybrid or you could be a cultist which is uh, a role for i think i want to say like three and five player game no four and six player games and the cultist <laughs> uh, i like this thematically the cultist is on the side of the sea monsters but can't breathe underwater so the cultist wants the ship to get within sight of america and then sink. So you need the ship to almost get there and sink so they can swim uh, swim so you to can the paddle to, to America. Yes. Um, so that's kind of a brief overview. I've got so much to say about Unfathomable, but broadly, off the just the top of my noggin, uh, I'm gonna say I really, really enjoyed this game in a way that I don't know. It's weird going back to a remake of a classic from like, you know, 2009 or whenever Battlestar Galactica came out because, you know, it's an old design. Will it hold up? And Fantasy Flight is obviously, you know, they've buffed the corners of some of the rules and they've changed things and added things. But broadly, I just had an absolute blast with this box. Um, now, uh, Ava has not played this, but uh, she you played a lot of the original Battlestar Galactica, right, Ava? Yeah, no, it was one of the games that kind of got me into uh, modern board gaming, really. It was a thing that we played quite a lot over, over a couple of years. Um, slight, slightly weird, as it was mo- mostly played it with um, anarchist activists, who were, uh, some of whom had <laughs> recently been infiltrated by police officers but like that's a weird <laughs> detail wow so which makes for a very <laughs> awkward discussion every now and then um but um i i have a lot of fondness to it like i think there was I, there was definitely rough edges um there was definitely a million expansions each of which added like one or two good things but most of it was bad but the <laughs> good things meant that you probably should buy it anyway. So I'm really quite excited about this like big box that kind of cleans it up and does stuff. But I have like, I'm so like, I would like to know how much it's been, how much it has been tidied up and made to be like a smoother experience. I'd like to know if anything's been done to make it less awkward on your first play when you don't know the rules and you've been turned mm. into you've been turned into a baddie and you have to keep that secret whilst also figuring out how figuring out the game well enough to be able to derail it derail it with and that's that it's just a really hard challenge that because i and it's really frustrating the original i just remember like the the gag that was um just the fact that like in the manual there was a page that was advice for Cylon players (laughs) and it's like (laughs) and it just means that like nobody would look at the manual because it became suspicious to want to look at the manual (laughs) um which isn't a thing that you should really have in a game and we did say you can always look at it and I think at one point we started instituting we're just going to pass it around and everybody has to read the Cylon guidance every now and then just to make it work (laughs) you shouldn't have to do that my final question, I don't know why I'm stacking these all together like a, an, an, annoying, <laughs> an annoying press release person. I would like to hear about how... So, right, in fact... No, this, Actually, I'm ranting. Not Let's a question, more of a statement. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I, no, I was interested to know where you were going with that, but I'm, I'm at risk of forgetting your question. So first off, it. fine. they've done a couple of small things, such as everyone's player guide now has the rules for... Uh, if revealed what happens if you reveal as a uh, traitor as a hybrid in this game uh, printed next to the regular player guide you know and it had, the manual has things like everyone has to close their eyes for 30 seconds when they receive their roll card so they've tried to smooth out bits and pieces most importantly they've made it shorter 
Um, so they have shrunken the length of the game and they've given the hybrids more to do after they've revealed. So some of the really obvious stuff um, has been uh, sort of smoothed out. But basically, Ava, basically, is it is it a less awkward first play? No, no, in no way. It's actually... <laughs> It's such a time capsule, and I, I this is I'm really interested to get to Tom because Tom, of course, hasn't this is this was your first time playing this game, but so we'll get to that. But the it's so weird, and it really speaks of a time when games didn't have to be so good from their first play, because your first play of this game is bizarre. It's a cooperative game where you're all expected to earnestly discuss strategy when the strategy you have really no idea. It's like oh, we could lose a fuel and gain a item. Is that good? Because we have no idea because the system's completely opaque. Um, and also, you're doing this while players are trying to play badly on purpose. Like, it's arcane. But, I still had a great time, but yeah. So, Tom, you as someone who never played Battlestar Galactica, this is your first experience with this system. I would love to know uh, how you felt. <laughs> I think I, I expressed this to you after we played the game, which is that, like, that core puzzle of the game. So, you're, when you're learning the rules, because I've never played Battlestar Galactica, so I'm getting to grips with what the core puzzle is and how it works in the game. It's sufficiently messy and tangled that it's a social deduction game where accusations can like come from anyone at any time for <laughs> any reason <laughs> and yeah learning the game and well for one thing learning the game and for another just being a bit nervous about be playing a game with some new people because i didn't know the people around the table so it was a social deduction game with people i didn't know uh... rules that i didn't know and it was like oh they stack on but all of that led to you earnestly believing that i was a traitor <laughs> from turn one and the reason was because i got myself killed and yeah. i remember thinking i was like i was there like because i have tried i've given my life to serve this this vessel and you dare accuse me of you, being just, you sold your life so cheaply you were so eager to be like oh i'll go out and fight the sea monster actually ava there is a really cool mechanic in this now where, oh yeah you yeah. know how Oh, there's so. I mean, honestly, we don't have enough time to talk about this as, as it as it really needs. But Ava, you know how before um, the the Battlestar Galactica would jump and it would jump forward, and then that would clear the board because once you do a hyperlight jump, all the space aliens are gone. Yeah. Robots, I know. Look, I'm, I love Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> but honestly, one of the reasons I'm happy for Unfathomable is like. I don't like Battlestar Galactica is a really dated IP now, and if you d haven't watched Battlestar Galactica, it's an arcane game to play, like even yeah. more arcane than it is normally. Anyway, rather than the ship jumping forward in hyperlight, it just chugs forward really slowly, and then all the sea monsters in the water slide backwards a little bit, which is really thematic. <laughs> but you have this rather than jumping forward, you charge a track, which is like your repulsion spell, and when that fires, mm. everything on deck gets blasted off, including human players who might be there so tom and was passengers just as well and passenger and human oh, passengers yeah. so tom basically went oh you know what oh there's sea monsters on board i'll fight them and bat and you know like shoot them with your amazing rifle and then it was like but the spell's gonna go off tom get indoors get indoors and tom's like no i'll be fine <laughs> and then i thought he was a traitor because you sold your life too cheaply I will say that because I think my experience of this game, I think it's one that bears like repeat plays to really like ring out whether it's Absolutely. like really solid. And I think that we played it. I had a, a blast with it, but there's a lot of like in the back of my head sort of like nagging, like, would I rather this? Would I rather something else? But before getting into that, I will say that like we've talked a lot about like our <sighs> struggles that we've had with this game and like who it might not be for and what it does that's different. I will say it is incredibly funny. It is one of like the funniest <laughs> yes. games I've played in a long time because everything is incredibly like based in theme. There's tons of flavor text. There's tons of these events that you're pulling every turn have these really weird twists where for most of the game we were just dredging 
we had these first class passengers that were going like coming out from below deck being like what's going on and then we had to push them below <laughs> no get back and it was like there's my, <laughs> like my soup is cold and we're like get get away and that and Quinn's your whole character's gimmick was that you could shrivel people and every oh. single turn you were shriveled and I was like I've got a gun I can shoot shriveled and it was I got this- d- do you remember Annie stealing my necklace and then turning it on me and double shriveling me? <laughs> he became double shriveled. It and was, then I went to uh, sickbay, yeah. It was delightful. But it's so funny and it has these these arcs and this way that like the game builds up into these like big moments where you have these huge things where like traitors get revealed and big events happen and the sh- board gets wiped. And also like the thing I love about it is that it shifts between like different um, modes of play where you'll have mm. a mode which is like you're basically just playing cooperative game with simmering distrust. But by the end it's like I am going to shoot you because I know that you are a hybrid <laughs> and this is what needs to happen. And it, it, it scales beautifully between these different kind of like modes. It's just fantastic. Yeah, I, you've, uh, you've, you've set me up nicely, Tom. Uh, I enjoyed our game of Unfathomable so much that I made a little list here, which is, uh, well, but, 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 listen, we've been, this won't take long, I promise, but we've been indoors for like two years and the games that translate the best to digital play tend to be like, you know, Euro games. They tend to be like sort of like it's really thinky, slow, methodical. I'd forgotten how much fun it is to just sit around the table and roll dice. So this this list is five <laughs> things I now realize I missed from dice-heavy, story-heavy Americhashi games, uh, which this list could also be named five things I wanted from Descent Legends in the Dark but didn't have. <laughs> um, so that's, if you haven't seen my Descent Legends in the Dark, yeah, that's, I, look, I, I, look, nice I've, I've played enough of that game that nice I'm allowed plug. to be me. Uh, so number one thing that I missed from playing dice-heavy, story-heavy Americhashi games, I miss rolling dice! Uh, like where where did rolling dice go? Like so, do you remember that turn, Tom? You will remember this because I said we're golden unless I roll a one on this da. I rolled that da. And, like, Someone hasn't rolled a watching. dice in a year, in a year or two. <laughs> Everyone knows you don't say that. Uh, so yeah, and then I rolled a one, and everyone went. Um, number two of my top five things I miss from Marichashi games. Uh, no, seriously, I really miss rolling dice. Uh, <laughs> So this is, the, I wrote down what happened, but Tom played a card on his turn with his cool, this was after, I spent the whole game thinking Tom was a traitor, and then Tom, once the two traitors revealed and Tom wasn't either of them, which blew my mind, um, and then there's this lovely moment where it goes from simmering distrust to like, well now I know exactly who my teammates are, and you can really like, look them in the eye and be like, how are we going to get out of this? So Tom played a rampage card, which let him move four attacks on one turn and fight like four sea monsters in his space. And uh, he rolled, he got a hit, he rolled, he got a hit, he rolled, he got a hit, he rolled, he got a hit. And I've never been so happy. Um, (laughs) Number three I missed from Dice Heavy Games, Um, miniatures, but listen, miniatures, but not used to sell a game on Kickstarter. Miniatures that actually like help to prop up the tone of the story. Cause I'm thinking specifically of like the, the big miniatures in this game, when they show up next to the ship, it, there's a real like, you know, you're gonna have to edit this Tom, I'm afraid, but oh sh- <laughs> moment when like they show up off the port bow. But also there was just a turn when like tons of them showed up and the whole, there were like little standees of us and 20 plastic sea monsters all climbing onto the ship. And I was just really like, oh sh-, you know, cause that, that happened. Um, number four, I'll, I'll keep cut number four short, but number four is basically just theme and storytelling and mm-hmm. like me asking for Annie's dog and Annie being like, no, that's my dog. You can't have it. And then later <laughs> she would set that dog on me. Um, oh, yeah. 
That was great. And then that was the uh, backup to the double shrivel, I remember. Yeah, now. yeah. She set the dog on me and cast shrivel twice and with my own <laughs> necklace. It's beautiful. But then the fifth and final thing on my list is when we finished that game of um Unfathomable, it I didn't care that I'd won or lost because much stronger was the feeling that I just participated in a story. Yeah. And I it had been so long since I'd experienced that that I forgot how good it was. It's like it's not it's just about the story you're telling together yeah. rather than winning and losing. We should also say that this, our story was supplemented by blasting the soundtrack to the lighthouse for the Ooh. entire duration of our game. Well, it's not the entire, it shifted to something else about halfway through. Oh, uh, lighthouse family. Light, <laughs> oh yes, the lighthouse family. <laughs> but it was the way that there was definitely, there was something that happened where, I think it was like after you even rolled that one, or it was something similarly momentous, and then it went, <laughs> we were all like, oh no. Yeah, oh well. I mean, Absolutely so Unfathomable, I know, we'll be getting more coverage on Shut Up and Sit Down in one way or another. So, really, we should move on to our special feature for this podcast. Because uh, uh, Tom and I, uh, if, if you're listening to this podcast, even in the future, uh, you could potentially go and find them. But we have uh, released a bunch of videos on the channel um, which uh, all have Orshucks previews in the name. And we split these into categories. We've got deduction games, deeply thematic, family fun, card games. Uh, oh, I've lost my list. Doesn't matter. There's loads. <laughs> and on these videos, there are previews with us talking about games we haven't played and saying, hey, we've played. Uh, we've, we've played this. We're excited. Here's how it works. Uh, and we've looked at some games. So Tom and I haven't played the games we're about to talk about, but we are still excited to talk about them because that's how hype works yeah so this is i i this is a really interesting time for me because i think that i find it quite fascinating that you're all going off and playing things and this time we've been a little bit more involved i helped matt with some of his so i've seen some of matt's previews and got to like look at some of the games and be like oh, oh okay but i want to hear from you and i want to hear first up i want to hear about the strangest game you've seen because there's some weird things in the world and you've been playing some of them and i want to know what's weird what's weird What's not, some, what's not something you've done in games before? My pick for the weirdest game is Picture Perfect from Anthony Nouveau and Arcane Wonders. And let me tell you about this really weird game. Imagine if you have, imagine, if you will, a tiny cardboard table on a tiny cardboard floor. And then behind that, you have a little cardboard screen. And then you have your own set of like 20 cardboard guests. And you, throughout the course of the game, are going to arrange those cardboard guests to have their picture taken in a little photo. The way this works is so bizarre. They all have their personal preferences in a tiny little envelope. And you get a set of these envelopes and you read their preferences and go, oh, yes, Lady Grey wishes to stand in the fourth row next to Sir. And then you you place that on your own little on your own little sort oh, so of individual players have their own yes like that's what uh, confused me is that each individual player has their own set of these characters their own table their own screen so no one else can see how they're arranging their pieces behind them okay it's, I thought it was because I looked at the pictures I was like oh it's just one and everyone arranges this one family no each individual player has their own uh, screen then right okay. Yes, someone in the Twitch chat, because we're doing this live, has just said, oh my god, this looks so good in pictures. It looks so good in pictures, which is great, because I'll, I'll, I'm will i not going to bury the lead. At the end of the game, you actually take a physical photo of your <laughs> oh. setup, and that's what you get scored on. It's amazing. But then, I think it would be one thing, right, if you just had these little uh, envelopes that had little hidden information in them. The thing that makes it really weird is that you can... There's different versions of the game, but some there's a there, you draw these cards from a deck, and they tell you how you swap those envelopes, so you get a little bit more of the puzzle each time. But you can play with an auction variant, which has you having an envelope and being like, right, 
who wants to buy this thing then? And holding it up, and someone goes, me, I'll bid seven candles. Because you bid decorations, which score you points at the end of the game for the wow. information that's in the envelopes. So very soon, you're bidding like nine knives and forks to work out the preferences of a houseplant or whether, it, <laughs> or whether or not it wants to stand next to a man. It's it's like wait the houseplant has opinions on where it wants to be. Yes, the houseplant has a, a strict set of opinions. My houseplant wants to be in the fourth row, behind this man, but not next to any ladies. Thank you. It's wow. it's crazy. And at the end, everyone reveals and they show you how you've laid out all of your people. Oh, you so points. you can go. Why did you put the husband in the front or whatever? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Uh, I'm super excited to play that because it sounds like a, non- a complete nonsense evening in the making. Quince. What's your weirdest game? You're a man with one eye on the clock, and I love it. Uh, my <laughs> weirdest game, I could have gone for a whole bunch of strange stuff, um, but instead I chose to big up a game that's more surprising than it is like, you know, ooh, it's so strange. I chose Steam Up A Feast of Dim Sum, and this is designed by Pauline Kong, Heyman Lee, and Mary Wong, published by the excellently titled Hot Banana Games. And <laughs> Steam Up A Feast of Dim Sum is basically a game of going for a mythic dinner. Okay, so Mm. there's the world's most legendary dim sum restaurant. You've got a seat at it, and you and your friends have gone, and you and your friends play, and I love this. The whole game is a love letter to Chinese and Cantonese culture, but you and your friends all play Chinese zodiac animals. So you could be the rooster, and I could be the snake, or the goat, or whatever. And these characters have different scoring conditions and different special abilities. And then in the middle of the table, you place a cardboard Lazy Susan so you can rotate the table. And on that, <laughs> you put plastic dim sum steamers. And in those, you put plastic dim sum. So there's little plastic chicken feet and like uh, lotus wrapped sticky rice and pork buns and stuff. And there's five different types of dim sum. And then on your turn, kind of like you're playing Splendor, but with a bunch of extraneous rules and stuff you can like grab a dim sum in front of you but there are restrictions here because you, your chopsticks can only reach so far you can't reach across the table to get a piece of dim sum so you can only access the steamers in front of you but also the steamers i don't know how much you two know about like chinese steamers but they stack so the plastic mm. pieces physically stack so you can like collect a piece of dim sum you want but then that will remove the steamer if it's empty revealing all this more dim sum underneath uh, there's dice there's cards there's all this stuff but the thing i really like that just made me chuckle so much is all the Chinese zodiac animals play against type? Like the pig is a f- the what the goat stuck in my head. The goat is a picky eater. So if you play the goat, it's like mm, no, I, I actually not sure about this stuff. It's all so unusual. It's absolutely good. It's like there's so much love and attention poured into the whole thing. But also, it's just about ultimately like passive aggressively trying to make sure that you get food <laughs> while not caring or even trying to obstruct what your opponents are doing by spinning the table around. It's it's just lovely and like a real example of what happens when games aren't all made by you know straight white men from either Europe or America. Like it's just. <laughs> It's really fascinating, both mechanically and culturally. And uh, I was just really, really impressed by it. Lovely. Let's do the next question. This is this is kind of like the more obvious question, I guess. I like to get the weird out first. But in fact, what we want to know is what are you genuinely like the most excited to get in the in front of people and actually play? Because this is the weird thing is that you've done all of these previews. You've read all of these rule books. You've set up all of these games. You've recorded all these videos. You haven't played them. It's a nightmare. Yeah. It's like t- Tom and I have been talking about this, but for like the last two weeks, like we've been get- we're getting more and more like, oh, imagine when all shucks is over and we just we have like play all these this games. mother load of unreleased games. Yeah. So Tom, what what is on the top of your stack like 
literally speaking now. I have, so there's a bunch of games that might actually be higher on my literal stack potentially. Um, but my pick is Brick and Mortar, designed by Nicholas J. McCollum and published by Octoraf Games with art from Tristan Rossin. And it's, I think that I would just want to, I think this one might maybe fade into the background of the previews generally, because it, as a, you know, I'm reading the tagline on BGG right now, and the tagline is, manipulate the market and undercut your opponents to maximize profits from your stores. (laughs) And it's like, whoa, I too have played a board game. But the package that Brick and Mortar is in is so delightful because the art is really like lovely and bubbly and smooth and, and, and cutesy. It comes with a fantastic color palette uh, that it comes with. These It's got little cubes that are all pastel and nice and it's it oozes charm. But then underneath that, I think there's a really quite solid game. Essentially in Brick and Mortar, you have this like strip of um, shops that you're going to build. They start off as empty lots and then you build shops in them. And the, the, the shops tiles in this game are kind of like cut throughs of stores so they'd often show a nice smiling man holding some goods being like would you like to buy some organic groceries and next to him it has a little uh, it will have a little tagline that shows you what your shop might do and it'll give you some points and that kind of thing then all the players will flood the market with like all of these goods which you'll then collectively bid on using these little dials and there's a really smart like i just think that i'm excited for it because it's so direct in its simulation of those kind of like little markets where you have this limited number of fruit for example that's in the middle of the table and you're looking at your friend across on the other side of the table and they've got themselves an organic grocery and you've got your bog standard grocery and you know that you're going to gouge his prices and buy up all of those bananas for very very cheap (laughs) it's I, I, I can't get a handle on whether it will be whether it will be great or fine. It could be either or. And maybe I'm just charmed by how lovely the art is. But it's one that I'm so excited to get to the table because it just seems to be doing what it, by the looks of things, is doing what it wants to do incredibly well and tight. There's not much fat in the game. It's like you build these shops that have special abilities. You're going you're gonna to power on in the profit zone by gouging prices for organic bananas. Mm-hmm. Quinns, what's your... What's your excitement pick? Uh, it's an obvious pick, but uh, this was an indie darling at the last Orshucks. Got a lot of play in the Orshucks Discord, uh, and it's called Beast. It is uh, designed by Aaron and uh, Elon Midhall, uh, published by, I believe, Midhall Games, uh, so some kind of family operation. The art isn't the artist isn't listed, which is a shame, because I think they bought a bunch of art from a lot of different people, um, but they haven't actually listed any one artist yet, so I can't shout anyone out. And that's a shame because it's gorgeous. Beast is an all versus one hidden movement game. Okay, so if you've played Fury of Dracula, um, it is a similar setup, but where no one's the good guy, basically. So one player is a beast. You can be, I wrote this down because this is good. You can be a frog who eats sheep. Uh, You can be a feral hog who is on fire and recruits local pigs to go feral with him. Um, or you can basically be the big wolf from Dark Souls. Um, and there's also like, there's a, there's a chimera or a basilisk or something. So you pick your monster and that monster is going to be running around a board, seek, like hiding and trying to gobble up. Their win condition is gobbling up villages. So there are a few scattered villages around the map. Um, but then the other, the, the team taking them on, which is like minimum two characters, maximum three, um, are hunters who are just trying to keep their people safe, who've migrated to this land recently. And it's, I mean, if you've played hidden movement games, if you've played all versus one games, uh, and also if you've played drafting games, you'll know what to expect here. So this is interesting. Um, the way the hidden movement works is that, you know, the the beasts can play movement cards, but then they don't move their little standee on the board. Um, they then just 
pile up movement cards in the corner. So if you move down as the beast, you leave your standing where it is and play a downwards card. And then the hunters are trying to figure out where you are by going on spaces where you might have been and, and find tracks. They're trying to lay traps. And then you are sort of revealing yourself occasionally being like, aha, I am a big wolf in the northeastern village and I've just eaten six people or whatever. <laughs> um, but then sort of combining with all of these mechanics we've seen before is this drafting phase. Each of the game's rounds begins with a draft where players uh, are drafting from the same action deck. So kind of like Inish, um, where it's the same deck you're seeing every time. But... Where this time, of course, it's a team game. It's an all versus one game. So the hunters are like, for, if you're the first hunter in like the three hunters playing, you're taking cards and then you're trying to think about what you pass. But if you're the hunter right before the beast, you're just going to be prioritized with what cards do we not want the beast to have? And then for the beast, I guess it's a bit of both. Um, and it's it just stunning game with a great high concept, lots of cool special abilities, pretty straightforward rule set, and then just lots of variety from, uh, you know, letting players do cool things like collect ancient weapons or, you know, set up weird screaming traps in swamps. So if the beast reveals himself in a swamp, then all the hunters can dash in there. Um, tons of different playable characters, tons of different cards to see, tons of different mythical abilities. I feel like I'm just saying all the buzzwords that make me excited to play board games. Um, <laughs> and after playing Unfathomable, I think I'm just really hyped for some kind of sort of exciting theme. It feels like maybe the perfect theme for this kind of game. And hearing the rules and looking at the art and looking at all the components, it makes me excited because I'm, I'm terrible at these kinds of games. I'm awful at hidden movement and deduction games. And this sounds like maybe something that's going to get me a little bit into that kind of genre. It feels like a game where if you don't like drafting or maybe if you don't like hidden movement or if you don't like all versus one, there's enough other stuff going on in the game that it could tug you along anyway. Um, or like if one of those systems might draw you in, even if you're not huge into the other. Like if you love drafting, yeah. but you've not played that many hidden movement games. Sounds cool. It's it's very cool. I believe it's also coming to Kickstarter soon, but I have an early I have an early prototype, Tom. <gasps> Ava's coming to Brighton in a couple of weeks. We could all play it together. I could be a beast and you two could hunt me. Would that excite you? <laughs> I hope so. You certainly made that weird at the end there. <laughs> why? I don't understand why. Uh, Ava, did you have another question? I've got one us? last question for you, folks, is that I know that not all of the games that we've played have been things that we would uh, always cover. I don't know if I can say that, but like we are, uh, these are just previews. We're not reviewing them, so we don't really know what's good. But what's the thing that you were like, I'm not sure if I'm interested in that. I don't know how excited I am about that. But you came out thinking, oh. <laughs> In other words, what's your darkest horse or your hiddenest gem? My hiddenest horse <laughs> is, get this, the fine sport of football. Because <laughs> I I have previewed, one of my last previews I did was a game called Super Team, designed by Alireza Purasad and Amir Salamati, published by Rumors Games. And... It's just football, the board game. Like, it's, <laughs> they just made football into a board game. And I, I think I realized after playing a, a similar game, which is a, a similar sport that has been made into a board game, which is Trick Shot, which made uh, ice hockey into a board game, I realized that I can get into sports. If they are not, in fact, sports, they are board games. Um, Super Team is, is just, it's two teams. It's a two-player uh, kickball game. It's incredibly straightforward. You have a deck of cards. You'll play those cards to move pieces. You'll try and use those uh, cards to score some goals. It's got a fun little morale system. It's got tactics that you can play for bonuses, where if you perform certain sequences of movements, you'll get a little bonus. It's got a little management mini game where you decide what your team's going to be good at in, in between halves. 
And I know that like it doesn't sound like the, the greatest thing ever, but I was just moving those little tiny football shirts around and going, <laughs> I could get into this. I could get into football, the board game. When I, I saw your preview for this, I burst out laughing because the little wooden shirts on a <laughs> completely bare board is so funny to look at. But also I'm intrigued. Yeah, I, I think that there's something that's very, it's it's very direct and it's very simple. And it's just this game where you have a hand of cards and you work out how you're going to best use them in a round. But then underneath that, there is some, they've sort of grabbed some systems from from other genres in the sense that you'll be like slipping in these exhaustion cards into your deck if you push your people too hard. And then you'll try and perform these maneuvers to grab some morale systems that will maybe like boost your actions and that kind of thing. I just, it feels like one of those games that I'm just going to sit down with and I'm going to play it and I'm going to be like, Head-to-head games are real fun, and I think that the football theme is is not normally for me, but I don't know. There's something about it that's exciting. I mean, there's other games that I'm also excited for in the previews, like Paint the Roses is this... It's not, not necessarily Darkest Horses, but Paint the Roses being this cooperative social deduction gardening game, and Bitoku <laughs> being this, like, massive Euro game with, like, incredible artwork. And, like, have you seen Vagrant Song? It's a cooperative ghost train boss battler game. <laughs> like, it's... Uh, whoa. And then, and then there's uh, there's there's Hit the Silk as well, which is uh, the game from Escape Plan Board Games who made Stop the Train, which if you remember from the last one, the last one of these we did, was that game about inspecting a railway bridge at 100 miles per hour. Um, <laughs> and this one has you trying to steal money from a plane while maybe handcuffed to another player who's been poisoned. Like, board games are great. I think all these previews just made me incredibly excited to sit down and play some games. Oh, 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 no. <laughs> Quinn's just knocked over. If you're listening at home, Quinn's just knocked over a massive pile of board games in the back of the the, the shot while fetching something. Well, a lot of actions happened because as people on chat have noticed, I just knocked over a big tower board game behind me. And that's <laughs> Ava's fault. And I'll tell you why. It's because Ava threw me by how she phrased that question because I prepared my answer for Dark Horse. I selected Brian Boru. Um, which is, cre- oh, where's my note? My notebook is, this is all disastrous. I, I chose, uh, I chose Brian Boru by Pierre Sylvester, um, who is most famous for the, the excellent The King is Dead, which we probably gave short shrift on the podcast because Thomas said it's 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 dead good, um, and published by Osprey Games. But the thing is, Ava, Brian Boru, High King of Ireland, being a card game area control game that's set in medieval Ireland is kind of the sort of game that Shut Up Down would cover. Um, so if you're talking about a game that we don't normally cover that kind of threw me, I've actually grabbed uh, Mythic Mischief and I had to get the box because I don't know who published or designed it, which is annoying because then my tower board games fell over. So that's where we're all at. Is every- does everybody understand? <laughs> it's my fault. Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'll tell you what else doesn't even have the designer or the publisher's name on because the publisher decided to be avant garde with this weird eye picture. Oh, Tom. IV Games. IV, right. And to symbolize that, they've used a picture of an eye and an abstracted V. Great. Good work, IV Games. <laughs> it's designed by some people. I don't know who they are, but listen, Mythic Mischief is not the kind of game that I would have thought Shut Up Is Down would have covered, and previewing it really did throw me and surprise me and made me really excited to play it, because this is a miniatures-heavy abstract game that's coming to Kickstarter next year, none of which are things that particularly excite me. Also, it's set in a magical school. Are you two still excited by magical schools? It's gonna take a pretty good magical school to get me excited. I will. I won't lie. It's gonna be <laughs> gonna be a next level magic school. I don't know. Yeah. I did. I did read Wizard of Earth for the first time earlier this year. So like, I feel like I. Oh, a that no. I. I sorry. Obviously, classic Ursula Le Guin wizard schools were into. Yeah. I'm talking about contemporary magic. But I mean, schools. I feel like that's cl- cleansed my palate of some of the other magical schools recently, and maybe maybe I do have okay. some time. 
Also, well, also Mr. we're Mr. coming up on Halloween and Tim Curry uh, singing the Halloween song in The Worst Witch <laughs> is a moment. Is is the greatest, the greatest the piece greatest of video cinematic footage achievement of all ever. time. Okay, listen. Mythic Mischief <laughs> looks pretty great. I uh, haven't played it yet, but the magical score in it is kind of a little bit mean girls. It's a little bit edgy. You can play a gang of wizards who are like clearly nerds, or you can be like a cool gang of zombies or some like jock Frankenstein's monsters. <laughs> there is some, there's an expansion which adds witches and those witches are just pure mean girls. Like they're very cool. So you've got your gang of three miniatures of your particular faction. And then the objective in Mythic Mischief is in the library, there's a guy who's in charge of books and he's a big looming black miniature and the objective of mythic mischief is to push members of the other gang in his path as he walks around shelving books so on your turn you have a limited pool of actions with which you can move your people you can move bookshelves around which are basically walls and you can grab you can manipulate the other gang but then the simple changes between the factions are like the frankenstein monsters will barge bookshelves around and throw members of the other gang the vampires will glamour members of the other gang towards them and shield themselves by rotating bookshelves around them so everyone has different spins on basic Mm. sort of like uh manipulation of the environment you're in but uh, aside from that, it's just it's just got real style and real panache. And then you can run around collecting magic books and you slot them onto your three-dimensional player board. And then you upgrade your actions for the rest of the game. Uh, it just seemed seemed quite tight for a Kickstarter game. Like They put a lot of attention into the miniatures and into the set dressing. But the rules are very simple, almost clean. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There was something about this game that that just attracted me to it, despite going into it being like, this is Kickstarter miniatures and abstract stuff. I'm not going to like it. But I actually came away really excited to to play it. So if you're interested in seeing that or any of the games we've talked about in this preview segment, you'll find them on our YouTube channel uh, named Orshucks Previews and put into handy little categories. Uh, so many categories. <laughs> so many previews. Was and it also like 48 previews, 50 previews. It's a lot I think of previews. It's, it's 70 or 80 previews. It's at least 200 what? previews. It's 200 oh, previews. I see it's a little it's a little bit that you're doing, I see. I'm doing a bit. Also, I'm doing I, a little bit. Cuz I know Osprey Games are going to be listening to this. If you're an Osprey Games employee and if you're sad that Ava basically cancelled your Brian Boru King of Ireland segment on this podcast, then I don't worry cuz there will be more Brian Boru coverage. I'm overwhelmingly excited to to get brian boru hiking a violin to the table and if you're pierre sylvester quins it's probably breen uh, that's a joke is that a joke about my mispronunciation of irish things in the preview video is that oh yes did I? yes yes, yeah. yes. yes okay sorry if you're irish and also sorry if you're ava because that just seems like you know, <laughs> oh no it just seems, just, just, <laughs> Uh, this has been an unexpectedly savage episode <laughs> of the shut up and sit down podcast <laughs> Uh, uh, go on, Tom. Wrap it up. Okay. All right. Maybe I will. Then <laughs> energy's become very hostile. <laughs> I've realised that as the sun has set, you can't see this at home, but as the sun has set, I've become more and more sickly, haggard, and pale as this as this podcast <laughs> has gone on. I've aged years. I shall I shall end this podcast. Thank you very much for listening to this 159th episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. We will be back next week with more games, more pods, more chats for you. That was terrific. Well done, Tom. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.